1: Well hello everyone and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network and of course you know who I am. I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe and Manifest talk show and today I am broadcasting from a hot, still hot Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so grateful that you have made a decision and you're joining me from all over the world today. And I can truly say with all of the faith that's on the inside of me that I believe that your life will never be the same again well how are you doing Uh, i pray that you're making a decision to create a great and awesome day and as you guys know i'm going to say it right it's always a decision it's been a busy week for me but a great and productive week uh my brother in tennessee uh i'm going to be going and seeing him in a couple of days i'm still asking for your prayers for my brother and his name is George Lane and I know that so many of you have been praying for him and I just want to thank you in advance also make sure that you go to Network.com and check out the beautiful Law of Attraction magazine it's free it has great articles for your inspiration and motivation and I tell you Jules Johnson who is the founder of the network just does a phenomenal phenomenal job. And I think that I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about my speaking, my leadership training, because most of the time I talk about coaching, right? And I would love to be your next keynote, keynote plus a leadership trainer for your organization, and these are just some of the places where I have been the keynote, or where I have developed and delivered uh, leadership training courses. You guys ready? Uh, let's see: Lockheed Martin, Delta Airlines, U.S. Post Office, AFL-CIO. I have also taught in the states of Connecticut, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan. Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, I've spoken at many universities. And I would love to help you to make your next event a very successful one. I customize all of my training and my speaking that so that it will align with your vision, whatever your company's mission is. And I always say that I just believe, I know that really your bottom line is people. And uh, after my speaking and training, I say that your bottom line would definitely have increased so check me out visit my website at fulfillingyourpurpose.com and just um, see some of my clientele I have an extensive clientele would love to talk to you about that next event so email me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com and boy we have a great show today so we're going to be talking about how many of you have experienced loss or grief, And we're going to be talking about how you can find enduring wholeness after loss and grief. So let's go to these quick commercials and then I'm going to be right back. Do you have an upcoming event
0: where you need a dynamic speaker? Constance Arnold is a sought after keynote speaker that will enlighten the entire audience with proven strategies that are aligned with your organization's vision and mission. An experienced speaker for major Fortune 500 companies, Constance has entertained audiences with inspiring change. Constance would love to make your next event an extraordinary success. Contact her today at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. For the past 30 years, Constance Arnold has coached clients globally in the areas of relationships, wealth, and career. Her vast clinical background gives her extraordinary understanding of human behavior to accelerate manifestation. Every coaching client receives proven action plans to create change from the inside out. Constance will be right by your side. Talk to her today
1: at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. Well, I am back and I'm back with my very special guest, and her name is Sherry Cormier. Hope I pronounced that correctly. She is a psychologist, consultant, and a public speaker. And she is the author of Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. And, you know, let me say something. I've never met her, but... She but the two of us had an experience a couple of days ago that would make a black girl pull her weave out. But <laughs> I, I I didn't do it because I had difficulty on my end recording. And you can always tell who a person is by how they respond, what seemingly could have been a crisis. She was very calm, very peaceful, no problem, Constance. And this went on for almost the entire afternoon. And so I do know her by the spirit because she was such a sweet and gentle soul. So Sherry Cormier, welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Oh, Constance, I'm so glad to be here with
0: you and so glad to be speaking to all of your listeners, and I'm I'm so impressed listening to you and all of the places you have spoken, the states. I think we have to get you to my state because I didn't notice it on the list, so I'm going to work on that.
1: Okay, what's your state? Maryland. Oh, I have not trained in Maryland. Yeah, I, what love to I thought, go. yeah, so <laughs> we gotta get you here. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here.
0: And you know, I think that experience that you and I had last week was really a gift. I thought that maybe was the the universe stepping in and actually helping us because I think it it it's such a great place to start when we talk about what people experience with loss and that is that you're going along one day you know and everything is sort of in place and then all of a sudden something happens and that day for you you know it was loss of recording and but you know when you have a loss what it what strikes me is you know and this was true for me with all my losses which is kind of what motive make motive right. The right sweet sorrow, you know, you're going along and then you get these losses. And it's a shock. The the biggest thing for me, and I think for a lot of clients I've talked to, is it's like your plans get disrupted. You know, we made a plan for life, right? Right. I married my husband for life and then he died young. And, you know, some of us make plans to have children or to have a certain job or a certain house or friends or live in a certain place. And then nature, you know, like, look what's happening now in North and South Carolina. Mother Nature intervenes. And it's like we get so attached to our plans. And then loss comes along, some kind of loss, and our plans get disrupted. So, I thought that was a great thing that happened to you and me last week because you and I had a great plan for doing this show last Friday and we would blocked out schedules and times and then, you know, there was a technical glitch and so, you know, it's sort of like how do you, what do you do when life throws you a curveball?
1: You know, that's so true and I'm so glad I have so many questions for for you, uh, Sherry, and I just want listeners to open up. If you have or you're right in the middle of a loss, loss of a job of what you thought would be. Uh, I'm right in the middle of a loss of how my brother was physically because he's different now. I, I just believe that Sherry re- really has some answers for you. And and so uh, uh, Sherry. Share your own story and then just tell us the difference between loss and grief and what would that look like?
0: Okay. So, well, my own story started about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. I was living a, a really wonderful life. And I, I will say, though, I feel like I'm living a wonderful life now too, but it's taken a while. Um, I was married to the love of my life. I was sort of scaling back on my works. So I was working just how much I wanted to, but not overworking. Uh, we had just built a new house. My kids were exiting that had exited the nest recently. You know, I was sort of looking forward to um, segueing into more leisure time. And my husband and I were looking forward to doing lots of things in the future. And then all of a sudden, I just had a string of losses. My father died. Now, he was older, so that was not unexpected. But three months after my dad died, my husband died from a mm. very quick onset, aggressive stage four inoperable cancer. Mm. And that was absolutely mm. devastating to me. And I really, you know, I'd worked with people with, with loss, but I really did not know how I, you know, I honestly didn't know if there were days I could go on. I was very mm-hmm. gr- and then my, a couple years after that, my mother died, and then I had adopted a dog. I'd rescued a dog after my husband died, and then she died, and then a year ago, my only sibling, my sister, died. So I know that I, I hear, I don't know the details about your brother, but I know that something has shifted for you with him, and that's... That's got to be close to your heart, and
1: yeah. Well, let me ask you something. That sounds like you know just a cumulative, cumulative losses. Yeah. How, how did you make it? I, I mean, I know we're going to get into it, and how did you even begin to see even glimmers of hope and light? Right. And I like the, word, the fact
0: that you said cumulative, because there is actually a kind of grief we call cumulative, and it's really, you get hit with sort of multiple losses at once. So, we, it's something we do have to pay attention to. Well, how did I get glimmers of hope? You know, I have to say that I think the way that I did it, and I can't stress this enough to, to listeners, is... People, other people, we do not heal from grief in isolation. And grief itself, I think, is so isolating, Constance.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, when we lose someone close to us, I think at some kind of weird level, we sort of feel abandoned. And, you know, some of us even maybe feel abandoned if we're, if we have a faith, heritage, we feel abandoned by God or, you know, by the person who died. And, reaching out to other people and asking for help and letting people help you. Um, you know, I was always always kind of strong and hated asking for help, but I've kind of learned if people say, can I help you now, I say yes rather than no. And we're, our brains, we know this from neuroscience, our brains are hardwired to have at least one to five close confidants that we can talk to, you know, about anything. Well, you know, for me, that was my husband. And, you know, to some extent, you know, my mother and my father and my sister, but sure, for sure my husband. And so when he died, you know, there was sort of a vacuum there. And so finding people that you can reach out to and that you can tell them anything is critical it's i think it's key in healing i don't think it's key
1: well, well you know it feels kind of when someone loses a person makes a transition you really don't know what to say to the person should i call them right. are they up for talking and so why is it that you should never tell a grieving person i know how you feel
0: Right. You know, I think there are certain things that you should not say. And I think I know how you feel is one of them. Mm -hmm. Because you you really don't know how they feel. And, you know, just yesterday, and I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, I thought about the idea that grief kind of can fall on a spectrum. You know, depending on the relationship of who we lost, or even what we lost, because, you know, we could have, lost a job or a house or, you know, a, a, a vision or a dream we had, we could feel some relief. But on the other end of that spectrum, you know, we could just feel absolutely devastated. So, I don't ever like to say to anyone, I know how you feel, because we don't really know how they feel. We've never exactly walked in their shoes. And I think another common phrase that people sometimes say that really we need to avoid is well, there's a reason for this because um, those those things are you know are kind of likely going to be heard. Fe- they're going to be taken offensively by someone. Like, well, you don't know you don't know that there's a reason. You don't know how I feel. I think what's really important to do on the other side of that question, Constance, is really to validate, though, to acknowledge, to just acknowledge, you know, I see, uh, I know your mom, I have a friend whose mom just died three days ago, so I say, I, I just saw that your mom died, I, she was such a wonderful person, I like to say her name, Marjorie, I loved your mom, Marjorie, um, I know this must be a hard time for you. So you just acknowledge that they're in the thick of this, and um, sometimes I think we want to avoid people. Like, I, sometimes I felt in the grocery store, honestly, after my husband died, if people saw me, they, they I was living in a real small town then, they kind of wanted to run the other way, Now, right. to be fair to them, there were times I would go into the grocery store and see somebody and kind of start... <laughs> crying but you know I think we can be this the United States is kind of grief phobic in some ways and we're a little afraid of people who are suffering and filled with pain and so we need to kind of help ourselves sit with that so that we can be present and really show up for somebody in our life who is uh, you know who is grieving and who's bereaved show up and Show up for the long haul because grief is not something that just flies out of our window in a heartbeat. It, it takes a while to really work through and process grief. And every, when I've ever talked to you about grief and my, my own experience, we get a lot of visitors, a lot of people show up for us initially. And, of course, you know what happens. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes back to their own life. And they get busy, and then that's when we get real lonely. So sometimes I caution uh, clients, and I say, you know, sometimes year two or three may be harder than year one because there's a lot of people around us in year one, but in year two or three, the reality of the loss can really set in. We can be lonelier, and, you know, loneliness is really, we know that's a killer now. I mean, it, it is. changes our brain. Um, it changes our brain, it releases our stress hormones, uh, it, it contributes to heart disease, um, it contributes to cognitive problems in the brain. So we need to really show up for grieving people for the long haul and we need to keep checking in with them periodically. It doesn't mean we, have to, we, don't, we don't want to stalk them but we need to check in with them periodically how are you doing? And ask them, you know, what's it like for you? Is there anything that you need? Is there any way I could be helpful? Because we don't maybe always know how to be helpful. I always like to ask someone, what's what's one thing I could do that would really be something you need right now?
1: Yes, yeah, so true. And and so I want listeners who uh, who might have even lost a job or or, or or a dream of what you thought life would be like. Mm. You, you you said it so eloquently when you said last, when we were trying to record, it was an interruption of plans. Yes. <laughs> and, and so when people have that happen to him, to them, it's devastating. So what other tools can people begin to use to heal from devastating loss? Right. So I think, you know, the first thing I won't
0: go in, won't belabor it, but I will say find your team or someone might call it find your tribe. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But surround yourself with people that you know are going to be there for you that you can count on and then start talking to them about what you're losing. Like if you've lost, maybe you thought you were going to be a mom and now you can't have kids or you thought you'd have this great job and you didn't or you thought you would, you know, travel the world and you didn't or whatever. But whatever you've lost, you lost a home, you went through a divorce, that's another kind of big loss for a lot of us. Um, talk to Talk to your tribe about it. Uh, for some, and and related to that, another big tool for me, and I think for people, and I think it kind of is related to this tribe idea, Constance, is oh boy, some kind of spiritual practice. I mm-hmm. I don't know how we get through loss without a spiritual practice. Now, I'm not prescribing that because I think different folks have different strokes. That's the way that saying goes. For me, mm-hmm. I use prayer a lot. Um, I grew up in a very religious household. I also am a, a big-time meditator. I think meditation is probably the single most effective and most researched tool to kind of help us back bounce back from stressful life events. I think gratitude is huge. Now, that's kind of, um, you know, I have people asked me about that gratitude thing and you know we know Oprah started that back right. in. Right. The- they say well you know I don't really feel all that grateful because um, you know I can't have kids or uh, my husband left me or I lost my my job and I don't know that I'll ever get another one like this one um, and I guess what I say to that, I understand that because believe me, there were days after I had all these uh, losses of people that I didn't feel like I could um, feel too grateful either. Stick with it. Um, I do, I did kind of just sit down with myself every night, and I recommend this. Think of three, or at least one, ideally three, but at least one thing every night that you can say, I do feel grateful for this today. I feel grateful. I mean, yeah, let's say maybe I did just lose my job. What do I have? I have my health. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I have my mind. Some people don't. I have my vision. Some people don't. Um, I have an ability to speak. Some people don't. What is it that I have that that I can feel grateful for? And the more you, I'm convinced the more you do gratitude practice, the more your heart changes around the loss. And especially if you had your heart set on a particular plan or a dream and that didn't work out for you, um, something else, something else will show up. You know, loss to me, the biggest thing, the biggest message to me, Constance, about loss, is loss is a catalyst, and you know, it's a catalyst for growth. It's, and this was probably one of the most surprising discoveries I made about loss. Um, a lot of us don't stay stuck in loss. There's a, about 10% who do, and we call that complicated grief. And if your bereavement and grief just go on and on and on for years you really have to get professional treatment for that but about 90% of us we use loss as a catalyst and things will show up for you if you are simply open to them and you you can manifest growth from loss i've done it i've had countless uh, seen other countless numbers of people that have
1: done it Well, let me say something, Sherry, you know, one thing that really spirit is teaching me in situations or circumstances where I feel like, you know, I might be in the middle of loss is who is God trying to be to me now Mm -hmm. and how can I change my thinking and upgrade my beliefs uh, now, I, I, I mean wh- who wants to do that in the middle of pain I mean I didn't love it but now it's like a prize to me because I realized that what m- might appear to be really hard and really devastating might be the one thing that's going to take me to a level of living and experience that I would have never had in my life if I had not been open to the upgrade and the growth.
0: I want to just say amen to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I
0: think that's what, that is what happens. And, you know, there's a fellow down at University of North Carolina, Charlotte, named Dr. John Tadeshi, who's a psychologist, mm-hmm. who's come up with this new phenomenon, psychological phenomenon, for just what you're talking about, called post-traumatic growth. Mm. Now, we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress, right? You know, we know about veterans returning from war, and, of course, they come back with a lot of losses. And so it's sort of like, how do we turn that traumatic loss into an event that's traumatic growth? And I think you hit on the key thing, and that's, boy, our thinking, our belief system, I'm big on that, too. You know, I remember a woman who told me a story about herself her husband left her a few years ago and she's never been able to stop thinking of herself as a victim Mm. and the thing that's sad about it to me is she's a real neat lady uh just you know fun lady you and I would theoretically love her she's could be fun and she's smart and can be witty and has a lot to say But because she still is stuck in that belief system, I'm a victim because my husband left me, she's become bitter. And now what I see is I see all these people that used to be in her life, like her tribe, that she kind of cultivated, sort of dropping off. Because after a while, they don't keep wanting to hear or be around her bitterness and kind of they don't want to hear the negative thinking all the time. So I think that's a piece of it too. You know, I do think we we become how we think, and so I think a, a tool for dealing with loss is really noticing and being mindful of what kind of beliefs do I have about this. If I'm sitting around saying, you know, this is the most catastrophic thing that's ever happened to me and I will never recover from this, you know, that's really going to impact how we don't do or do not move forward. If we're saying, I don't like that this happened to me, I wouldn't have chosen that this event happened to me and yet I am willing to try to stay open to it and to really see what is going to emerge, knowing that, yes, I'm going to have some dark, painful times, and yet, I want to keep the image of that butterfly in mind. You know, that butterfly, beautiful butterfly, I saw one this morning on my flowers, and I I squatted down in the sunshine, Constance, and I looked carefully at that butterfly, and I still saw that kind of ugly caterpillar but you don't see the ugly caterpillar anymore because the beautiful wings emerge and kind of kind of cover it up so if we can just trust the process and trust that you know we will and can emerge into a beautiful person and loss has so much to teach us we need to be able to stay open so that we can really get the lessons and really honor the lessons and know what the lessons
1: are for us and be able that's a, to. That's a, that's, that's a powerful principle. So, so, Sherry, are you saying that anyone who chooses to do so can shift, maybe gradually, from post traumatic stress to post traumatic growth?
0: Well, I'm saying many, many people can. There seems to be, again, about maybe 10% of bereaved people who don't make the shift from post-traumatic stressful loss into post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And we know from Tadeshi's research that these seem to be either more likely to be someone who's lost a child mm-hmm. or someone who's lost a person do a very violent death, such as, unfortunately, the shooting that we just had near near uh, where I live today. And I think if you think about it, those events are harder, they may be harder to recover from because, you know, it's not the natural order of things to lose a child. It's the natural order of things for the parent to go first. And it's also not the natural order of things for someone to go to work and get shot down in the middle of the workday by someone who's, you know, coming in with a rifle. So, uh, there there are a few things I think that are harder, but about 90%, which is one out of nine folks, really can and do shift into post-traumatic growth. And that was, has probably been one of the most surprising discoveries I've made not only on my own journey of healing from loss, but in working with other people on their journey, is, you know, how do they shift into post-traumatic growth? And there seem to be certain tools that help us do that. And really, I think the first one I would call acceptance. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, who, you know, just going back to that thing when our plans got interrupted, you know, we could have reacted two ways. We could have fought it and said we don't like this or we could have accepted it. And you know, when we find out that our plans are destroyed, so often our first impulse is to fight it and resist it. And really, I'm convinced that makes on the long over the long haul that makes our suffering worse. And so we found that probably the first tool for post-traumatic growth is what we call acceptance coping. Like, we really just accept that there's a new normal now. There's a new reality now. We didn't choose it, we may not like it. We have to really pray for acceptance to come around it. So that's a really important tool for post-traumatic growth. We have to really um, search for meaning. I think that's another important tool for post-traumatic growth, and I think you mentioned that before, like, you know, what is uh, God's plan for me? What's the meaning in this? Um, What beliefs do I have to shred in order to find new meaning? And, you know, when we kind of move toward growth, what we discover is we're probably not the same person we were before. And we're probably not exactly on the same path that we were on before. And there's we're manifesting a new path. And we're trusting that that new path is going to be op, able to open great gifts. You know, a very wise friend of mine said to me one time, there's no such thing really as good or bad news. There's just news.
1: Hmm.
0: Think about it. That's true because... What you think, you know, you someone might call you and say, I have such bad news. I'm sorry, but uh, your job, we're going under, our company's going under, and you're going to lose, you know, everyone's going to lose their job in a month. Well, you know, the first thought you might have is, what bad news? Well, not, may, you know, maybe, but not, not maybe, because, you know, I've known plenty of people that that's happened to, and then they go on to get the greatest job they've ever had, a job they couldn't have even imagined having, you know, a year down the road. So, so true. So news, I think, we have to start thinking about news as news. Um, and not necessarily whether it's going to be bad or good news. It's news, and we need to work incorporating it and accepting it. And that's sort of when we know we start healing from grief is when we feel like we're, you know I don't think we ever get over grief I mean I still desperately miss my husband sometimes but Mm -hmm. I think we can heal from grief and we know we're healing when we've been able to sort of incorporate the grief and we're not still feeling victimized like that lady I mentioned a couple minutes ago we don't feel bitter, we feel loving, you know I read something the other day that was so powerful This mother just lost a son in an accident in his 20s. He was in his 20s and she said, you know, I realize more than ever, the only important thing there is now in life
1: is love. It's love. And I think that's so true. It is true, but well, let me ask you something personally. How are you doing? Do you feel that you 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 have recovered? Are you loving life? Uh, share that with our listeners. Yes. What is that like for you?
0: I am loving life. Um, I still really miss my husband. Now, my husband died a decade ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I waited to write sweet sorrow for a while because a lot of these books are written in the immediate aftermath of a a hard loss, a significant loss, and I wanted to write my book so that it would give you perspective over time. Um, But I feel like I am doing well. I do love life. Um, I have moved, I made a geographical move to a different state uh, about five years ago. I feel like I have a good tribe of people around me. The one thing that hasn't changed is I still am single. I'm not partnered again. Um, I'd like, theoretically, I'd like to be partnered again. I'm just really busy, though, doing my calling and doing what I want to be doing. And I feel optimistic and hopeful and... um, I want to be out in the world sharing love and sharing messages of inspiration and hope because I think that's the, the path that makes us all peaceful. I think that's the biggest change I've noticed personally is I just feel a whole lot more peaceful.
1: Well, wow, that, I noticed you, you know, in our little episode, <laughs> you are very <laughs> calm. I'm like, she sounds like she's been in a meditative state all morning and, um, Because that speaks volumes. So for someone who's listening, I know you talked about uh, people can cultivate the five C's of resilience. Yeah. How can people, what are those C's and how can people begin to use that with uh, uh, loss and grief? What would that look like? Well, the first C, I'm glad you asked
0: me that. The first seed of resilience is, and maybe the most important one, and I've already mentioned it, is meditation Mm -hmm. because there's we know from research meditation changes our brains and it decreases our stress hormones it increases our feel-good hormones in the brain it actually changes the structures in the brain it decreases our anxiety response it impacts the the frontal areas where we do like decision making and problem solving it boosts our immune system. It just on a whole, like it we it decreases our our sort of ruminative ruminative ruminative, that's a hard word. Mm-hmm. That means I shouldn't be saying it.
1: It decreases <laughs> obsessive thinking. Hey, look, I'll let you say it. I rehearsed your name for two or three days. So we we get what you're talking about, Shane.
0: Yeah. It decreases <laughs> thinking that's not good for us. Let me put it that way. It just makes us feel more peaceful. So the first seed or the first tool for cultivating resilience is meditation. And in fact, many people that work with meditation believe, and there's research to back this up, that it may be the most effective, single most effective thing you can do to help yourself recover from a stressful loss or for that matter, any stressor, any stressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that have to be just lost.
1: Right.
0: And then the, the second, third, and fourth seeds have to do with what I call self-care. Mm. Um, exercise, m- moving your body, sleep, and nutrition. And these three, we know from the work of Richie Davidson, who's up at Wisconsin, that exercise, nutrition, and sleep are all biological markers of resilience and when you don't get them like if you're eating junk food, you're not sleeping and some people with grief don't sleep very well or you're you know you're not moving your body you know you're not skipping to work or you're not up dancing your zumba or you're not you know lifting those weights. Um, our bodies kind of shut down. And, you know, when our bodies kind of shut down, you know what happens to our mood state, it gets worse. So we we sort of sabotage ourselves, and we, I think, create conditions by which our, our grief gets stronger when we don't move our bodies consistently, we don't sleep enough and we don't eat healthy foods. So those would be second, third and fourth. And then the fifth one, the fifth seed of resilience that is probably equally important to meditation, Constance, is social support. And I've Mm -hmm. said this, find your tribe. Get a tribe because you've lost, if you've lost anything, you know, that's so huge. That can feel so huge. You can really feel lonely with it. So now for some people, it might mean going to a support group. Mm -hmm. There's lots of grief support groups out there. Some people might find solace in a therapist. Lots of great grief therapists out there. But it doesn't have to be a support group. It might be church. You know, for some people, their tribe is their church. For some people, it's their temple or their uh, meditation group, um, their neighborhood, you know, their, their friends they hang out with. But, you know, the number of people you interact with every day is important. That is so important. So get your people.
1: And so, Sherry, as you were talking, um, what came to my mind was uh, another one of my colleagues told me of a guy who was a VP for a big Fortune 500 company. He got downsized and, of course, he was depressed. His identity was so tied into working for that company. But what he did was he did the five, you know, C's of resilience. He started running, which he had, he had been out of shape. He started running, researching info on um, healthy food and green drinks and stuff like that. And then he started meditating for 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes um, in the evening. And he would go to bed early because he... He wanted to get up and run early, and he became, he found his tribe. He hooked up with some other guys and became a part of a a running team. And then he went to another group, and you know, guys don't really, some guys really don't talk that much. He went to another team where um, it was a networking group for people who had been downsized. Oh, so, I love that. so this guy did those five things. And of course he bounced back and, and really grew from his seemingly loss and boy, now his life is just phenomenal. And, you know,
0: I love that you told that story Constance because he's an example. He, he got news and he could have, you know, felt victimized by it and kind of, gotten under the covers and pulled the the covers up over his head and went in what I call a pity party, right? And felt sorry for himself, but no. He went out and did things and I like I like especially that you talked about a man. Yeah. I think men and women do grieve differently. I think women we talk through our grief and our loss much more than men. I think sometimes men deal with their grief better by taking action, and that was a great story to illustrate the action he took, and then he met his new tribe at, through running, and I think men love to talk about sports,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, running is a sport, you know, people run races all the time, so that's such a good illustration of, of taking news and getting disruptive plans, and you know, doing concrete things with it that really are going to, over time, I mean, it's not instant. I'm not here to say, hey, this is going to be an instant solution, by all means, no. But over time, gradually, I think you'll notice some shifts. And he did, and I, and, and certainly I have.
1: Right. And what else would you like to say? We have about 10 minutes left. What else would you like to say to people, Sherry, who might be right in the middle of, you know, just a heartbreak and just devastation from some sort of loss?
0: Well, you know, I want to say, I think I want to tell a little story. Okay. Um, Loss is, you know, I think when we're in the middle of, of that, we tend to feel really alone. And um, I'm not quite sure why, but I think we do. And so there's a story about a woman whose son died and she didn't expect her son to die. And of course, her plans were for her life were hugely disrupted. And she picked up her son's body and she could not put his body down. And Uh, She just was walking around her village carrying the dead son's body and she ran into the Buddha and she said to the Buddha, oh please Buddha, I know you could bring my son back to life and he said, I can bring your son back to life if you can go to a house and find and bring me back a mustard seed of any one, any house that has not experienced loss. And she went around and around. She couldn't find any house that had not experienced loss. So mm-hmm. then she put her dead son's body down because she realized then that she wasn't alone. So that's the first thing that I want people to know who are suffering is you really are not alone. And find your resources, there's so many resources. and. The other thing that I'd really like to say, one thing, Constance, that really helped me, and this was another surprising discovery for me, was that uh, death is really, you know, when you lose something or someone, and I lost more someones than things, but, you know, what a loss, we tend to think of it as um, permanent, we tend to think of it as, something is just totally disappearing out of our life like if it's a dream oh I'll never have another dream if it's a house I'll never have another great house I'll never have another job that I love like that man that you talked about or for me you know I'll never have great people particularly my husband I found that though death is death in particular if you lose a person and we know that the two highest stressors are death of a spouse and death death of a child. Mm -hmm. And they're heartbreaking. But it's more of a transition rather than a disappearance. Mm -hmm. And if we can just be open to the fact that you know, I think that the person's, I learned, one of the things I learned because I got very powerful dreams which I describe in Sweet Sorrow from my husband after after he died for years um, if we can be open to the fact that the body of the body dies and yet that person's spirit lives on, the love we have lives on the relationship we have still endures. So I find great comfort in that and I like to give comfort to other people that you know whatever the loss is for you, Um, I do believe and I have witnessed that um, loss and grief, although we move forward from it and it still sort of is part of us, that there's something enduring to be found and there is something uh, that will emerge for you. And you probably don't know what it is yet. Uh, Trust the process and keep your eyes open and most of all keep your heart open
1: and and so so quickly share. have you learned to enjoy the process because you, you know, I, I've heard you use the word discover yes. a couple of times because discovery can be like an adventure or, yes. or you can be open to it it can be full of surprises have you learned to do that? I think I have I think discovery this- You know, and I think you just mentioned something
0: that I forgot to mention that's huge. One of the biggest, you know, I think ways to help yourself heal is to learn or do something new. Go on an adventure, be an adventure, make a discovery, find a discovery, learn something. Um, We know again from neuroscience that learning or doing new things Changes our brains in a really positive way. And it really helps with sorrow. You know, it's almost impossible to be really, really sad while you're learning a new dance step, or you know, you're out doing, you know, you're out volunteering, or you're out canvassing for an election, or you're on Google learning how to speak uh, Spanish. You know you'll notice in those moments when you're doing something new you're discovering that your sense of isolation and sorrow and sadness is sort of taking a back seat. Wow, I think discovery is huge. I think life as an adventure is huge
1: it is you're very articulate and and you're a great storyteller. I don't know if anybody ever shared that with you. And and you know, it's quite mesmerizing just to listen to you share the principles, not only in theory, Sherry, but these are principles that you're living by.
0: That I'm living by, that I had to live by because I got news that changed my life.
1: Right. So share with people how can how can you they get your book and I'm gonna strongly encourage everyone If you're going through, you know, loss or you're feeling devastated, uh, get her book. Tell us the name of your book, your website. Yes. How can people contact you and all of your contact info?
0: Yes. Okay. So uh, the name of my book is Sweet Sorrow. Pretty easy to remember. And by the way, that name, that title came to me in a dream. And the subtitle is Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. And you can get the book. Um, you can order it online at all of the online retailers. Uh, your local bookstore may have it. Uh, you can order it from my publisher, which is Roman, rowma My website is www.sherry.com. S-H-E-R-R-Y, Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, author.com. And I also have an Amazon author page. You can contact me through my website, through my Amazon author page. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can message me on Facebook. I'm fairly... I think I'm pretty available. So, Sounds I like it. <laughs> yeah, happy to respond to you. Love to respond to you.
1: Well, let me just tell you uh just personally, you know, in these in these last moments that you are a gift to the world um in the area of really helping and assisting people uh with, with with grief and loss because that's not a subject that people can talk about. I think I share with you. I used to think that I knew so much about grieving, the stages of grief. But I realized I don't know. I don't know it. Mm-hmm. But you are a gift to the world. You are articulate. You share from your heart, from your soul. People can feel that. You're very gentle. Uh, You're not telling people to hurry up and get over this, but you are gently sharing and giving people glimpses of how they can themselves begin to move through that process, knowing that God and spirit is right there with them. And I am so glad to have connected with you.
0: You are a gift to the world, Constance, in what you do every week on this show. Thank you. I feel so honored to have been in your presence today and I thank you for what you do and I wish you Godspeed on your trip with your brother.
1: Thank you. You know, everybody asks me, how do you do that every week? And I, I, my answer is only by the grace of God. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> you know, and you know that's nothing but the truth every week for nine years and i have not missed one show so i thank you again and for listeners uh i have over 500 archived shows that you can listen to and just go to loaradionetwork.com forward slash my name click on my beautiful picture I know many of you listen uh, to me through iTunes I Heart, blog talk there are many different ways but if you go on my show page you can click on those apps and listen to me and visit my YouTube channel and of course you know you can catch me on Instagram that's CL Arnold 11 and on Twitter it's LOA Constance And on Facebook, it's Coach with Constance. And, you know, when you see me on social media, I'm a little different. I'm more playful. You get a chance to see me, my little dog angel, you know, what I'm doing, what's going on. I would love to connect with you. And if you have a wonderful um, testimony, manifestation, demonstration, I want to hear about it. So you can email me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com and let me know about that. I would love to share your story because, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So the more that people can hear manifestations and demonstration, guess what? It brings hope and faith to another person's life, just like Sherry did today. Well, everybody, uh, as I say every week, you may not know it or feel it, but you are surrounded and supported by the love and the goodness of God. And of course, you know that I believe in you. I adore you. And I know that the best is yet to come in your life. And I just want you to think and say every day something good is going to happen through me and to me today so guys make it a decision to have a great week thank you
0: thank you for listening to think believe and manifest constance arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you for more information please visit
1: fulfillingyourpurpose.com